0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today we read the story of Christ calling the disciples who are the fishermen um, while they are on the sea fishing, um, and how he calls them uh, when he sees their boats, and he wants to give a sermon to the people, so he calls them to use his boats, and then when they agree to do that, um, he gives them this miraculous catch of fish. Um, And one thing that we see about Christ is that he's always uh, involving the people. He's always encouraging them. He's always trying to make them feel like they are, have value and worth. And though he could do everything by himself and does not need the help of any person, but he's always trying to seek us to cooperate with him and to be involved with him in the service. It says he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And this is the same man who's able to walk on the water. So he doesn't really need a boat. He doesn't need anyone to help him in his ministry or to help him to preach to the people or to make his voice loud enough so that the people could see him or hear him. And yet he still chose to find something that he could ask the fishermen to do in order to cooperate with him and to to help him. Um, And also we see that he uses people who are by no means the most important people. He uses very simple people, unsophisticated people, uneducated people. He doesn't use people who are simply prominent or have already a good reputation. But anyone who happens to be around, he, he sees their value and their worth, and he might call them to serve with him in some, way, in some way. So I want to speak today a little bit about Christ the encourager. How is it that Christ uh, encourages others? How does he encourage us and how we should also be modeling the way that we deal with one another based on what he was doing? The first way that Christ encouraged others is that he made them to feel needed. Just as in the example today, um, he asked the the fishermen to offer their boats to him to make them feel like they were needed. We see this also in in the story of the Samaritan woman when it says Jesus said to her, give me a drink. It's of course, it wasn't needed for Christ to, to need a drink from her or to ask her to be the one to give him the drink, but he went ahead and asked her instead of doing it himself for asking his disciples to do so. Um, also when feeding the multitude, Um, he asked for the five loaves and the two fish that that were from the boy, and then he multiplied them so he could give it out to the people. So again, he made the people feel like they were needed, and he does the same with us. Maybe we are sinners, and we are weak, and we have many failings and faults, and yet the Lord calls us to serve with him. He calls us to be his servants. He calls us to help one another. He calls us to show love to one another. He does things through us and through the church that he could have easily done on his own, but yet he does not do so he makes us to feel like we are Valuable because we have something that we can offer. And and certainly um, it would not be necessary, but he wants us to be involved in it. We do the same thing for children, for instance. Whenever we see that a child wants to help in some way, we give them the opportunity to help, even if what it is that they are going to offer is imperfect, even if we don't really need the help that they are offering. They have something that they can give, and so we ask them to give it. Um, and in this, they feel valuable, they feel important, and they feel encouraged. So the first way that Christ encourages us is he makes us to feel needed. The second way that Christ encourages us is because he was patient with the weaknesses of the people. When um, speaking to uh, uh, Abimelech, Abimelech was a king um, who had taken Abraham's wife, Sarah, to be his own wife because he didn't know that she was Abraham's wife. And so when, um, when God is speaking to him, he says, "What well, Now therefore restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. He will pray for you and you shall live. There was two weaknesses here. The first was Abraham himself did not admit from the beginning that Sarah was his wife because he was afraid of what might happen to him um, if the people knew that she was his wife. So he called her his sister. Um, so he was not honest. And also Abimelech himself took took the, the, the woman w- to be his wife without maybe even asking about her or who she was. Um, so. The the, the the weaknesses of, of, of men, the weaknesses of people is something that God has to deal with on a regular basis because the moment that he begins to ask us to serve with him, to work with him, he now has to tolerate our weaknesses. We see this in many examples. For instance, Jonah the prophet, when God asked him to go and preach to the Ninevites, yeah. um, God could have accomplished this mission in so many different ways using different prophets, going himself, sending angels, doing whatever it is that he wanted to do in order to save the Ninevites through any other means. Um, Instead of having to tolerate the weaknesses of Jonah, the prophet who refused to go on the mission that he was sent um, and instead ran the opposite direction. It would be very easy for God to have found an alternative way of, of, of saving the Ninevites, but yet he did not. He continued in patience, working with Jonah convincing him bringing him by force even to the place where he was supposed to go and telling him that that now is the is the time for you to go and to preach and he wanted jonah to reap the blessing and the benefit and the reward of this service even though jonah was doing it begrudgingly also we see the example of thomas thomas we call him the doubter because he doubted the resurrection of christ because when the lord resurrected and appeared to the apostles he was not with them and when they told him that the Lord had resurrected, Thomas was doubting, and yet he had patience with Thomas, and he appeared again in order for Thomas to see himself and to touch the place of the nails in his body. So God is always patient with us, and this is one of the ways he encourages us. Maybe sometimes we are very harsh with one another, or we are even harsh with ourselves, and yet the Lord is very gentle when it says about him that a bruised reed he will not break, meaning someone who is already suffering and weak and and struggling, Christ is not going to come and put an undue burden on them, but he wants to encourage them very gently back to the truth again. The third way that he encourages us is because he acknowledges those who are lowly in heart. Um, We read about Zacchaeus when um, Zacchaeus climbed the sycamore tree trying to see the Lord and it says Zacchaeus, uh, when the Lord was speaking to him, he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. He acknowledged him because of his meekness, because of what he was willing to offer. Um, He could not see the Lord, and he considered himself to be um, maybe the shortest one there, unable to see him, but instead of giving up, he climbed the tree, and he kind of humiliated himself for the sake of wanting to see the Lord, and the Lord acknowledged him acknowledged him because of his simplicity, because of what it is that he, he desired, and how much he desired what he was willing to offer and sacrifice in order to obtain it. So Zacchaeus was lowly of heart, and the Lord acknowledged him. Um, also, when the sinful woman, the adulterous woman, came into the Pharisee's house and, and fell down at his feet, at the Lord's feet, and washed his feet with her hair, he says about her, therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. And he defended the woman in front of the Pharisee and in front of the guests that were there. And we read about her even till this day, how the Lord is acknowledging her faithfulness and the love that she had for him and the true repentance that she was offering. So he acknowledges those people who are lowly in heart, those people who are weak, those people who um, have suffered, those people who are trying to make an effort to offer repentance, to return again, to offer something good. He acknowledges them. And he wants to, to make uh, a path for them to return again to him. Also, he chooses those who are not well regarded. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world <coughs> to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to to bring to nothing the things that are. Meaning what God wants to demonstrate his glory in the world. And the way he demonstrates his glory is by using vessels and tools and people who would otherwise be unable to accomplish the things that he is accomplishing in them. So that when the people see them they will say how is it That this is being done through these people the apostles for instance were known to be uneducated and and the people marveled saying how is it that these men can do the things that they're doing and they can preach the way that they are preaching even though they are uneducated and even illiterate and then it became clear that what they were with jesus that's what what the scripture says they were with jesus so they recognized that the ability that they had did not come from themselves but became from the lord whom they were with So God chooses the foolish things, the weak things, the meek things, chooses the the people who maybe otherwise had no potential and he makes them to be the greatest of all when he says the first will be last and the last will be first and to demonstrate the glory that he has and what he is able to accomplish through them. We see for instance St. Peter the fisherman. Um, again, no one would have expected him to be the one chosen to be an apostle. Matthew, the tax collector. Again, tax collectors were despised at the time, and and nobody would have thought again that he would be the one to usher into the kingdom of God. Mary Magdalene, who was a very very prominent saint, um, the Lord cast out of her seven demons. She her, the her path of life completely changed at her calling. Maybe many people would have said these people are not worthy to be chosen, and they see no potential in them, and so they would not have been. They would not have been picked. I remember attending one time uh, a sermon by His Eminence in the in the monastery, and he was speaking about Saint Moses the Strong, and how maybe if Saint Moses the Strong, with the sinful life that he had at the beginning, if he were to try to join one of the monasteries um, in Egypt today, that he would be rejected because the people would look at him and say this is not a man who could become a monk this is not the type of life of a person who is worthy of monasticism because he is a sinful man and he is in bondage of all kinds of sin and yet we see in the story of saint moses his sincerity of heart and how he had a true repentance and how he came and became a saint so for us we look at this example and we see about the about God how merciful he is and how much of an encourager he is just because someone is living in sin doesn't mean that they do not have potential again to return (coughs) another way that he encourages uh, he encourages the people is by defending sinners he says um, he says those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick meaning who is it that I came for I did not come for those people who are who are healthy but I came for those people who are sick and that's why the people who were the ones most uh, affected by his message on earth during his incarnation were the lowly people, were the sinful people, were the tax collectors and the harlots and the sinners and the thieves. All of these people were the ones who were the most affected by him because he was the only one willing to encourage them, willing to lift them up, willing to give them what no one else was giving them, which is a second chance, which is to accept their repentance, this to make them feel worth worthwhile and that there was something good in them. So he defended them also the woman who was caught in adultery he said what he who is without sin among you let him throw a a stone at her first he wanted to protect her and to defend her he stood in front of the people and said no you are wrong about her you're wrong about the people who are sinful they have potential and they have worth and they have value and they are good And he says the same thing to all of us. Maybe those of us who struggle in sin and we find ourselves maybe feeling shame or guilt all the time because of the sins that we commit, feeling that we do not have any value or that we are be rejected by God. Actually, God maybe is the first one to stand and to defend us against Satan, who is the accuser, the one who accuses us of what it is that we have done. The Lord comes and says, no, I have washed their sins away. So the most important thing here is for us to seek him, to to seek and to repent, because these people who received forgiveness from the Lord, they were not those who were prideful, who defended their sin, who defended their actions, who considered themselves to be right with everyone else to be wrong, but they were the meek, like the tax collector who beat his chest and was not willing to look up to God, but considered himself to be a sinner. He is the one who went home justified and not the Pharisee, who was simply boasting about his accomplishments and about his righteousness. So those people who are the first to enter the kingdom of heaven are those who are willing to offer a pure repentance. And the Lord not only accepts them, but he defends them. The sixth way that the that Christ was an encourager is that he gave hope to sinners. Even from the very beginning, when Adam and Eve fell into sin against God and they were rejected from the Garden of Eden, the very first thing that the Lord did for them is he made tunics for them. Uh, he made he made clothes for them. He didn't say, You deserve punishment, you deserve the worst thing that can happen and I reject you completely and I will not help you in any way and whatever it is that you get, you deserve. He said, no, I will make you tunics of skin, so at least you will be clothed. You know, in the garden, they were naked. In the garden, they did not feel any shame. In the garden, they had no need for clothing. And yet now because they had fallen into sin and and shame entered into them they felt naked and exposed and so they wanted to cover themselves which is why they covered themselves with fig leaves. So the Lord seeing now their weakened state see, seeing the state that they themselves had had brought on themselves he said I will make fig leaf I will make uh, uh, tunics of skin for them to wear and he did so not as a as a means of um, of ridiculing them. He did it as a means of love. He said, this is what you need in your weakness. It's like giving medicine to someone who is sick. And, and, and so he did it for them. He gave hope to them. He made them feel like there is still uh, there is still love. He still has love for them. He still cares for them. Also, when the Lord is see- is speaking with Cain, Cain who killed his brother Abel, Um, when he was contemplating the sin that he was going to do to murder his brother out of envy, the Lord came to him even from the beginning. And it says, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Meaning when Cain was upset because God accepted the sacrifice of Abel and rejected his own sacrifice. And he was contemplating this sin and he had anger in his heart. The Lord is the one who came to him and he gave him hope. He said, no, if you offer well, if you do good, then i will accept it don't simply feel like i have rejected you because there is something wrong with you do right and i will accept it and so he he was he was compassionate in the way that he spoke to cain and he went and he sought him out to encourage him to encourage him also the way that he restored saint peter to his apostleship St. Peter had rejected Christ and denied him three times, and he considered himself maybe no longer even an apostle for what he had done in rejecting the Lord. And yet the Lord again came to him and restored him again gently and told him that he would um, eventually die and be martyred actually for, the, for his own sake. So he's giving hope to all of us, all of us who struggle and are, are in various sins. He gives us hope that he's able to accept us again. Finally, he rewards effort. Uh, we see many parables of the Lord speaking about how he is rewarding those people who make effort. Maybe Um, we look at our lives and we say, I am not a saint. I am not a monk. I am not a nun. I am not uh, a very holy and righteous person. I'm not the most knowledgeable person. I do not see myself ever being able to rise up to the ranks of the great people that we read about and the Synexarian or to allow myself to be martyred or all the things that maybe we read about the heroes of the faith. I find myself maybe unable to do these things. But the Lord actually, he rewards the effort that we put. Even if we are not able to um, reach the levels that some of the greatest heroes of faith have reached, yet the Lord rewards us for whatever it is that we are able to, to put. In the parable of the talents, the Lord gave the same reward to the man who had received the five talents as the man who had received the two talents. They both produced different amounts of talents, five and two, and yet they received the same reward. The Lord is saying each one of us has a different capacity, has different capabilities, and he will judge according to what we have been given. He will not compare us to one another, but whatever re- whatever effort I'm able to put, God will reward. Also in the parable of the workers of the vineyard, in this parable, different workers came to be working in the vineyard at various times of the day. Some people very responsible came from the very beginning of the day, and others came at the very end of the day. And yet, despite what time they came, the, 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 the owner of the vineyard gave them all the same reward regardless of how long they worked. Some worked the entire day, some worked for only one hour. And yet the the, the the Lord gave them all the same reward because they all made an effort. They all tried. Maybe those people who came from the beginning had had a lot of resources and were very responsible. And so they acted responsibly. Whereas those people who were at the end, maybe they wasted the day and they didn't come from the beginning. But they still had hope that if they went to be hired, that they would still be hired. They had faith. Just like the right-hand thief, though it was at the very last moments of his life, and yet he still believed and had faith that the Lord could save him. And so he was the first to enter into paradise. He gave them all the, s- the, re- the same reward because they all put in effort. Also, the parable of the sower. When the Lord is speaking about the good ground, he says about it, he says, but others fell on the good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Meaning, meaning even the good ground is not one way. You can have good ground that yields yields 30-fold. You can have good ground that yields 60. You can have good ground that yields 100. We don't all yield the same. We don't all have the same capacity. We don't all have the same accomplishments. And yet the Lord still considers it all good because we all made an effort and tried to do something good. So in all of these ways, the Lord is an encourager, and we see it as an example in his life on earth. And he calls us also to encourage one another and to serve one another and to not be quick to judge, but to always lift up those people who are fallen. So just to recap, we spoke about seven reasons or seven ways that the Lord encourages us. The first is he made the the people feel needed. He, 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 He sought to include the people whom he met with him in his ministry and not simply to do everything on his own two he was patient with the weaknesses of others even though it was maybe a hindrance to the ministry by involving people like jonah the prophet or others in the ministry and yet he still did so because he wanted to encourage them and support them three he acknowledged the lowly of heart like zacchaeus and he saw his meekness and so he acknowledged him and made a special effort to go and to eat at his house the 4th is he chose those who are not well regarded those people who would glorify him the most would be the ones who um, had the least that they themselves offered themselves they they did no one had no one would have considered that they had any potential and yet those are the ones he chose 5 he defended the sinners and he defended them against those people who were attacking them 6 he gave hope to the sinners and he made them feel like there is always a path of return there's a path of repentance and finally he rewarded the effort even of those people who did not do everything perfectly and yet he still gave them the same reward. So may God grant us to receive encouragement from Christ and to see his mercy, his love, his kindness to us, and also to share it with one another. And glory be to God forever. Amen.